1: And he's probably in the meetings going, look, I really think you should probably pay it. I'm just thinking, you know, it makes sense, right? They'll go away. I want to make it public. Yeah, hush, hush. Ah. Don't know
0: <laughs> Smashing Security, Episode 323, Botched Bitcoin Blackmail, Ice Spoof, and Matters Billion Dollar Data Bundle, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smash Security, episode three hundred and twenty-three. My name's Graham Cluley, and I'm Carol Terrio. And Carol, who have we got in the hot seat this week? Joining us,
1: we have Zoe Rose of the Imposter Syndrome Network podcast. Hi, Zoe. Hey, welcome back, Zoe. Yeah,
2: it's lovely to be back.
1: Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. A yeah. minute. <laughs> yeah, I like that expression a lot. It's like saying, I haven't talked to you in ages.
0: Oh, is it? Oh, I see. Yeah. Hmm. Fair enough. <laughs> you could just say it's been an age. <laughs> it's been an age. I could say that too.
1: It's been a while. Tell us about your podcast.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, I co-host it. So more credit to my co-host because he probably does a lot more than I do. Um, but, it uh, is
0: important to give credits to your co-host, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? That's what I've been told. I've heard that. I've heard that. <laughs> Heard that. <laughs> Imposter Syndrome Network, what is it all about?
2: Yeah, well it's basically we're interviewing extremely successful people and talking about their journeys, their careers. It's technical careers, so it's anybody from security to engineering to I don't know, anything you really want to do. Um hmm. developers as well. And um yeah, we're just talking about well, why the bloody hell they're there, what they're doing, and how they got there. And it's been really interesting because some really good advice has been shared about how to overcome, not just like feeling like an imposter, but also uh, overcoming mistakes, because yeah. that's probably been a huge part of my career is I've made slight errors that have been massive and Who then
1: hasn't though
2: <laughs> well it's it's the best way to learn from my opinion yeah of course
1: if you've lived long enough you haven't fallen flat in your face at least once what's going on what kind of shoes are you wearing
0: <laughs> i think the thing is a lot of us though we look around us and we think oh those people aren't as idiotic as i am
2: but they are and that's the best part.
0: yeah <laughs> i'm not sure there's many
1: people that are more idiotic than graham i'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> degrees, degrees.
2: <laughs> but, but it's it's awesome because it's like, we'll interview somebody, and the entire time I've just sat there like, bloody hell, you're so amazing. And then and then they're talking about all these simple things that they've done wrong, and I'm just like, how is that possible? Like, you're just so perfect. <laughs> it's, it's just really cool.
0: Well, listeners, go and check out the Imposter Syndrome Network podcast uh, to hear more from Zoe and her co-host and her guests.
2: Yes.
1: And let's get this podcast on the road. Before we kick (laughs) off, (laughs) let's thank this week's wonderful sponsors, Bitwarden, Collide and Centripetal. Their support help us give you this show for free. Now, coming up on today's show, Graham, what do you
0: got? I'm going to be talking about a bizarre Bitcoin blackmail plot. Ooh,
2: nice alliteration. (laughs) What about you, Zoe? I'm talking about... Meta's exceptionally large fine for failing to follow GDPR. Ooh.
1: And I'm going to talk about why you can't trust caller ID. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security.
0: Now, chums, chums, I want to take you back to February 2018. That's where my story is going to begin. And it begins in the offices of an Oxford company, Carol Oxford Ooh. Biomedica, just down the road from you. Very swanky building, lots of glass. It's near your neck of the woods, Carol. Um, if you know where Lidl is, near the big I Tesco's. I know where Lidl is. <laughs> right, opposite Kennington Flooring. Uh, if you go uh, down there. Yes. Oh, you know them as well? All right. They did our floors. Oh. There you go. Yeah. Oxford Biomedica, they are a gene and cell therapy firm. They worked on Parkinson's disease. They partnered with Microsoft to use their AI and machine learning to work on treatments for a large number of sicknesses. And perhaps most famously, they manufactured a vaccine for COVID-19, Oxford Biomedica. That's right. Uh, and uh, well, way back, 27th of February, 2018, actually, they suffered a cyber attack. What happened was a hacker accessed their systems and senior members of the company received a ransom demand from the attacker. right. Nothing that unusual, really. Kind of thing that happens all the time, right, Zoe?
2: Well, it happens more than you hear about, to be fair. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah. exactly. Yeah, right. So, yeah. as far as I've been able to work out, Oxford Biomedica never went public about this particular attack. I did oh. search, uh, and uh, it doesn't look like they they ever actually uh, admitted it. But anyway, uh, it's now come out into the open <laughs> <laughs> because of the story I'm about to tell you. So, a hacker accessed their systems. Senior members of the company receive the ransom demand. And what do the bosses at the company do? What do you do when you receive the demand? Pay them and get them to go
2: away. Exactly.
0: Shh, shh, shh. Here you are. Here's We're the money. Here's here. the... Clear off, clear off. Why don't you? I mean,
2: you? that's better than pretending it was a security researcher for a bug bounty, isn't it?
0: Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Don't take the Uber route. Yeah, exactly. Don't do that. Well, what they decided to do was they brought in the IT boffins. So they have people, obviously, inside their company, IT experts, and they said, look, we've received this email, slightly worrying, have we been hacked? What should we do? And so they brought in the geeks inside the company, which included a 23-year-old IT security analyst called Ashley Lyles. Okay, security analyst. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And Ashley and his, I guess it just means he worked on the IT security team. You know, analyst right, right, right. is one of those sort of you know names, isn't it? Ashley and his colleagues, they worked alongside the police to try to mitigate the incident, find out what was going on. Uh, because obviously there, there was the threat that maybe a hacker had broken in, stolen sensitive information, maybe planning to leak it. They were obviously demanding money as well from the company.
1: And they did this on the QT, right? They, did they, did, is this Ashley guy was the under-NDA to do it on the Hush Hush?
0: Well, Ash, Ashley just one of the employees. It's, it's, totally- it's like any... Oh yeah. right, right. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. I
1: thought he was a consultant brought in. I'm oh sorry. no, no, no.
0: Yeah. He's working yeah. for Oxford Biomedica. Ah. He's he's on the staff.
2: I feel like I know where the story is going. Right. Oh. So because yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> I
1: feel for Ashley right now. I think.
2: You think? <laughs> I, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I feel like you're uncovering a. Okay.
1: I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna believe
0: in them until proven. <laughs> okay. Quite right, Croc. Quite Thank right. You. I like I like your attitude. And Zoe, you're just so cynical anyway.
2: <laughs> but it's an interesting story. and interesting stories always have a not so ethical situation. So I feel like I feel like I know where it's going.
0: All right, all right, come on. I'm just excited, come on. though. I'm excited. Can everyone just calm down, calm down, right? I'm telling you the story. Here we go. Right, so Ashley <laughs> and his colleagues are looking into the incident. They've got the blackmail email. They've got the communications mm. which are going on. They're trying to work out, have we been compromised? Has any data been taken? They're working alongside the police. The thing is, mm-hmm. Ashley's company, Oxford Biomedica, and his colleagues and the cops didn't know that Ashley had plans of his own.
1: Oh, oh you darn it.
0: <laughs> it's not to give it to charity, the, right?
2: The giveaway was <laughs> that they were actually named because you're saying Ashley and Colin. Yes, the
0: fact that I'd named an individual. You're so
2: clever, Zoe. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm just a little bit suspicious.
0: <laughs> it's like watching an Agatha Christie. If you If you have a... <laughs> It's not yeah. going to be the extra who hasn't got a name. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you
0: know, it's going to be someone with a name. You absolutely special
1: right. guest star.
0: <laughs> now you're probably thinking, "Oh, Ashley must have been the guy behind the attack. He must be the one who hacked. He must have been the one who sent the ransom note." No, no, no. He didn't. Mm-hmm. He was just a regular IT security guy at a company which happened to get hacked, which happened to receive a ransom demand. Okay, but but what he did was he accessed the private email account of a board member at oxford biomedica the one who'd received the ransom demand from the hacker yeah post post ransom demand post ransom demand now, right okay it was the typical kind of ransom email right which just says pay us or your toast just pay x100000 Pounds worth of Bitcoin into this cryptocurrency wallet, and maybe you can understand why an IT guy inside your company would want to see that email. Maybe want to access the member of staff's email account with their permission once or twice to see what the hacker had demanded. If there were any follow-up emails, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That I think that would sense. be understandable. That'd be understandable. Mm-hmm. But what Ashley did was he accessed the board member's email account over 300 times. Oh, yeah,
2: doesn't have a good memory. And
0: what's more, what's more, he took the original blackmail email stored on their email server and he changed it. The actual <laughs> he ransom the
1: account numbers.
0: Yes, the <laughs> ransom demand <laughs> which included a bitcoin wallet. Can you just send it to Barclays sort no, code? No, no. <laughs> He changed it so it was a different Bitcoin wallet where the money had to be sent.
2: Invoice oh, redirection. I
0: kind of admire <laughs> Ashley. He, <laughs> it, uh,
1: I do. I I, I love the... I, this is going
2: to work. This is going to work. <laughs> Who's going to find out? Business email compromise, you know? He's like Dexter, man. He's on both sides. You see, yeah. when I heard...
0: That he'd changed the ransom email. I thought it would change the demand. So he'd say something like, "Please, can we eat donuts again in the office, or can the toilet paper be improved in the <laughs> yeah. blues, or
1: can we not get fired if we photograph our butts on the yeah. photocopy
0: machine? <laughs> Don't serve fish yeah. on Fridays. It makes the whole office stink. You could all kinds of things. You could yeah. put in the ransom demand for a bit of fun. But no, he changed the Bitcoin wallet address to which the ransom should be paid." Yeah.
1: And so he's playing the game. Are they going to pay it or are they not going to pay it? And he's probably in the meetings going, look, I really think you should probably pay it. I'm just thinking, you know, it makes sense, right? They'll go away.
2: I don't want to make it public. <laughs> yeah, hush, hush. Tell no one. Oh so, <laughs> and also, also, who's going to believe the criminal, the cyber criminal is like, you didn't pay it? It's like, yeah, we did. We have proof.
0: Poor old criminals are going to feel like they've been defrauded. They say, hang on, hang on a minute. What's going on? <laughs> well, he's flying out of there.
1: Sayonara. That's so, brilliant.
0: So he changed the, the crypto wallet address. Brilliant. So he would end up with the cash if the company decided to pay. Brilliant. It. Well, I guess
1: that. I didn't think you. could <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I would watch this movie.
0: I'm just saying, anyone out
1: there who's a movie writer, this is a good
0: one. Furthermore, he created an almost identical email address to the one which was used by the original hacker. And he began to email his employers at Oxford Biomedica, pressurizing them to pay the money. It was just sort of <laughs> applying the thumbscrews, going, you know, your date is going to get it, you know, that kind Do you kind think of
1: thing. people that work there that would get these emails are pretty smart
0: and might have spotted the little, you know? Well, no, they, they were leaving it with the IT security team, They wouldn't, <laughs> the board <laughs> member wouldn't notice.
1: Oh, that's true. He'd bring it down to IT and go, this is weird. And he go, no, 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 that's perfectly normal. That so happens all the time, Ashley would say.
2: He basically have an argument with himself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. arrives on Ashley's desk and he says, no, this looks legit. It looks like it's from the hacker to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Great story, Graham. Oh,
0: so police brilliant. officers from Southeast Regional Organised Crime Unit, uh, the cybercrime unit there, they identified that someone had been accessing the board member's email, traced the hack back to Lurl's home address, presumably his IP address, which makes me think he, he didn't cover his tracks properly. It's unclear whether he's using a well, VPN or not. let's
2: be honest, though. Security and IT are different things. Mm. And then also, even in security, operational security and, you know. Yeah. Those are different paths. So I could understand he, he maybe didn't think of all of the well, solutions. And um, it takes
0: one time, right? Yeah, he only had to goof once. Could've been. Hmm. Anyway, the police, they grabbed his computer, laptop and phone and a USB stick to analyse them. Now, apparently Ashley Lyles had realised the police investigation was heating up. So a few days before, he was raided. Can you imagine how he felt? Fuck, fuck, fuck! Yeah. so he wiped <laughs> all the data from his devices.
2: And you'd be snapping at everybody, shut up! <laughs> I mean, I, I think this guy, oh. it, it's quite a genius. Um, yeah. But I do actually feel bad for him. I know yeah. that's silly because, you know... Obviously. He's
0: 23. He know. was young at the time. He was yeah. 23.
2: I mean, technically his brain is fully developed because that's like 21, isn't it? But...
1: He might never have thought about doing this unless the hackers did it in the first instance. And he just got on the train and thought. Opportunistic, I think. Yeah, Yeah. opportunistic. Exactly. That's what he should put in his CV. So
0: so he tried to delete the data before the police get there. And he did zap the data, but apparently he didn't do it very securely. So that's his mistake number two um It's so uh, another
2: skill set as well.
0: Yeah, empty trash doesn't always work, right? So yeah, so he mm. he'd failed to properly wipe the data. used
2: to upskill. Yep,
0: yeah. mm. uh, put that on his CV. Training required. <laughs> so the cops were able to recover his data. Anyway, back in 2018, he denied any involvement. It's taken forever to go through the courts. He asked for three hundred thousand pounds ransom. He was denying everything until this week at Reading Crown Court. He did finally plead guilty and he is due to be sentenced, I think, uh, in July. I was a juror, so I I would have loved this case. Oh,
2: I would have loved it.
0: Well, they could have called on you, Crow. You are local. You could have gone down there. Yes. You know, shared your expertise.
2: This would have been <laughs> awesome.
0: <laughs> if you were popping down to Little or Kennington Flooring, you could have just popped over the road. I would love that. <laughs> Zoe, what are you going to talk to us about this week?
2: My story is about Meta. And we all know that social media is not really well known for privacy practices. Mm. (laughs) But uh, Meta decided somewhere in their processes that if people signed uh, standard contractual clauses... Uh, apparently is the term. But mm-hmm. people signed it, the, the consumers of Facebook specifically, this fine is related to Facebook. Um, then they can transfer the data from the EU to the US. Uh, and it was since the 16th of July, 2020. So, at the time, they had the whole um, agreement with transfer data between U.S. and EU. But obviously, yeah. that was recently decided but that wasn't good enough. Um, but they were still sending massive amounts of data consistently from the EU to the US because people sign those clauses and they're like, it's okay. Um, well, So the
0: users are agreeing to the terms and conditions. Is that what you're saying? So
2: Essentially, yeah. You sign up for the Facebook, you say, right. uh, you know, you accept their policy, whatever um, the terms and conditions that nobody reads, including myself. Um, Well, (laughs) well, no, Mm -hmm. that's not true. There are privacy people that do actually read these things. They are excellent people. Me,
0: Carol (laughs) Terrier.
2: Exactly. Um, Not something I'm good at, but, you know. Carol
0: does it for us so we don't have to.
2: (laughs) And that's why we love you. I just
0: like looking to see what they try and hide in them. It's a weird hobby. Well, this is one of the things
2: they tried to hide, I suppose. Uh Um, So...
1: So the argument's really interesting. So it, basically you're saying inside the Euler or whatever privacy notice, they're saying, yeah, yeah, we transfer data to and back from the States. We've got an agreement. Cool, cool, cool. And then when you sign it, you've effectively agreed to it. And that's what they're using yeah, as their argument.
2: Essentially, yeah, mm-hmm. because the, it's just the way that they're processing the data. So in organizations, you know, you send data to wherever you store your data and you process it or whatever, and it makes sense. The problem is... They did the EU data in America, which mm-hmm. you're not allowed to do without having appropriate protections. Um, and I think the reason it was that the American agreement or whatever was declined, potentially is because they didn't have appropriate protections protecting European data from, uh, what was the term they used, the spy agencies or something? Well, oh, the intelligence
0: um, agencies. Yeah, intelligence surveillance agencies. surveillance, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, that's why it was declined or whatever. But... The thing is, because they did this on a consistent process, and it's essentially all the data, like it's a massive amount of data, uh, they are being issued with, or they've been issued with, the largest GDPR fine ever. How much is it? 1.2 billion euros.
0: It's a lot of money.
2: It's a lot of money. I mean, let's be honest, how likely are they actually going to pay that amount? Uh, I don't know. This
0: does feel like a good opportunity to have an enormous party. We should stop the podcast right now just because the thought of Facebook possibly having to pay over a billion dollars
2: well, okay, is but, rather
0: wonderful, isn't it?
2: But but let's look at that, though. I looked at another article and uh, it says May the 25th of May will be the fifth anniversary of GDPR, blah, blah, blah. Privacy Affairs has tracked the fines. And all 1,701 of them for a grand total of over $4 billion American dollars. <throat> Meta accounts for 50% of all GDPR fines. Wow. 50%? Yeah. Yeah. They are keeping EU running.
0: <laughs> well, the GDPR fines, as I recall... Uh, it can be based upon how much money your company yeah, makes, I, can't I,
2: it? I think it's
1: like okay. I don't don't quote me. I think it's four percent of the annual turnover. I, I think, think you're right. High. I think that sounds yeah. right.
2: I believe. I could be wrong, but I believe they chose to do the full amount that they can actually owe. And I feel like this probably has something to do with the fact that they've been fined multiple times. So I yes. think they've just been like, bloody hell, like I'm I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> just bloody pay us because we're, you know, but yeah. but here's the other part that I found really interesting. It wasn't just that they have to pay a fine. It's mm-hmm. also that they have to uh, become compliant. So it says, oh. um, yeah, so actually, uh, if you follow Privacy Matters on Twitter, he's a lovely man. Um, and he clarifies a lot of privacy issues and concerns and uh, like news. I found him it's so interesting. But uh, so he's highlighted on his Twitter the three demands essentially the choir meta Ireland to suspend any future transfers of personal data to the US within a period of five months. Mm-hmm. That might sound long, that is not long. I remember when we had a year uh, to prepare for GDPR, and there were people, there were organizations that were like, within this year, we won't even know if we're able to be compliant. But Mm. they've got to do this in five months. And then they've got that 1.2 billion euro fine, which is Mm -hmm. quite exceptional. And then also, they have to bring its processing operations into compliance with Chapter 5 of the GDPR by ceasing any unlawful processing, including storage in the U.S., of personal data of EU EEA users within six months. Mm. So... In the next five to six months, they have to have a massive massive digital transformation. They also have to pay an exceptional fee. But you know what? Like, I'm just
1: looking here, like, apparently in 2022, Facebook's ad revenues hit $135.9 It's
0: still a hefty fine, though, Carol. It's a
2: hefty fine. And it's
0: all the upheaval caused by trying to fix this to try and become compliant well, is going to be a challenge. Because this is normal
2: business process, right? And they have to change their entire business process, which... As we know, is very difficult to do, especially at that scale. And I think what's they
1: haven't had like years of warning that this might come. No, right. And this is
2: why when they changed their name to Meta, I thought it was absolutely hilarious because when I think of Meta, (laughs) I think of metadata, which is like, "Hey, we've got all your data." (laughs) I think they claimed it was beyond beyond advertising. But I, I was like, no, 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 it's the data that you know. But whatever. Um, but I think the other interesting thing is not only is this a scary big thing that's going to happen for them but also is this setting a precedent are are other organizations going to be less likely to want to transfer like do you want to deal with eu data or is they gonna are they going to be more cautious hopefully um because the risk of misalignment is quite an exceptional fine
0: i also wonder whether i mean a company like facebook will have employees all based around the world sort of helping their users in different areas mm-hmm. and working on the data. And maybe we're going to begin to see more silos of people dotted around different parts of the world rather than just in one mm-hmm. single place. So the data doesn't have to be moved to that part of the world in order to do some work. But on here's
2: it. the thing, Graham, that I don't understand is we had these conversations when GDPR was coming out. (laughs) Exactly. And and there were so many discussions about, oh, where is our data centers? Do we have them, you know, not just do we have them in different locations for resilience, but also do we have EU specific, you know, when we go to get contracts with third parties, do they keep their data in EU? Like, this is not new.
0: No. No, that's true. But they're Facebook. They probably think they're above the law.
2: It's just embarrassing. Yeah, and how much
1: money did they make by not following the law for the last four years?
2: And how many situations have they caused? How many political, how many not so ethical situations have been associated with Facebook Mm. in general? It's almost like a, well, is it really financially worth it to care?
1: Whoa, sorry. Sorry, Zoe. Are you saying we shouldn't trust Facebook? What?
0: <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Come on.
1: What the hell's Jeez. going on? <laughs>
0: and now a word from our sponsors, Facebook. <laughs> do apologise about Zoe.
2: <laughs> <laughs> We're not having her back. <laughs>
0: Carol, what have you got for us this week? Uh, well, I just wanted to
1: talk about life as a hacker because it can't be easy. Right, the poor little sausages. Stressful. You got to lie and cheat. You got to love up lonely grannies. You know you have to dupe staff members into giving you credentials, and and all the time you can't tell anybody. You got to stay on the down low. You never reveal. Like, haha, I'm the one who did this, and it's got to be difficult. I mean, Graham, I bet even if you like empty the dishwasher, I'm sure if someone's around, you'd be like, I just want you to know, I <laughs> what, empty the dishwasher. What, what, <laughs> Because you wouldn't want to get the points. You wouldn't want you know, them to think someone
0: else had empty the dishwasher. I did turn on the dishwasher earlier <laughs> today. i just like to tell everyone that. Did you tell anyone? No, there was no one else here to tell. I'm telling you. I'm telling all the listeners. <laughs> all the
1: listeners. But <laughs> you see, your typical hacker, they can't go around showing off, right? They have to say shtum. Yes. Because if the information gets into the wrong hands, they got to say sayonara to their big fat bank accounts, their big houses, their yachts, golden slippers,
2: I mean, how many malicious actors were caught because they were bragging?
1: But there must be many, many that are like smarter than that in Station. So, So if anonymity is key, you might be tempted by a service that claims to guarantee that for you, ensuring that if the authorities got wind of a cyber heist, you know, they would have no idea who was behind the crime. A privacy service for the hackers. A privacy service for the hackers. Excellent. And this is how sites like Mm iSpoof.cc fill a very necessary business gap. Now, we spoke about iSpoof.cc in our 300th episode, but I wanted to revisit the story because there's been some very interesting news that broke only this week. So to recap, this is like an underground website created in 2020 that sold spoofing services to neer-do-wells, you know, people that want to pretend they're someone else. And the business model was very simple. You know, for a handsome fee, iSpoof would allow its users to display a false caller ID, okay, one that matched the services they are pretending to be, which were normally banks. So, were you to get one of these calls... They say they were from your bank, saying that maybe there was suspicious activity on your account, and you wisely would look at the caller ID number and say, "Oh my God, that is correct. That is my bank." You'd be inclined, you know, to tell you know to think the call is legitimate and provide any information they requested, right?
0: Uh, Absolutely. If it's a spoofed number, if if my phone tells me it's you calling Carol, then I expect. To hear your voice at the other yeah. end,
1: you'll go, "What up, and, asshole?"
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's that's how I would tell it was you, rather than someone pretending to be you. No, I was saying that's what you would answer. And, uh, oh, I see. Oh, yes, that's right. And I, I don't want to upset a fraudster who's pretending to be you. So I, I, I you yes, uh, know, so <laughs> but anyway, yes, you're absolutely right. If you spoof someone's phone number, then it it's a large part of the social engineering. You've already got it.
2: I think it's you? important to note that it's actually not difficult to do. So if you Mm -hmm. do trust by default, um, for people that aren't aware, uh, don't do that. (laughs) I was going to say something witty, but I couldn't.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But it's one of those things though, that like somehow, even though you know that
2: you would, you know, it does give the caller a sense of authority. It's just like showing up with a business card. You know, I might've printed it that at home with my fancy printer, but it doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah.
1: Now iSpoof, what made them particularly uh, successful is they didn't just focus on a single geography. This operation was global baby, right? At its peak, it had almost 60,000 users who paid up to five grand a month in Bitcoin to access the software.
2: Yeah. Could you imagine how much they made, though, if they're paying that much a month? It's incredible.
1: iSpoof was reportedly used to make 10 million fraudulent calls worldwide, 40% uh, were in the U.S. and 35% uh, were in the U.K. And at one point, they say as many as 20 people every minute were being targeted by callers using technology bought from IceBooth website. So, big deal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they say that the iSpoof services is said to have helped fraudsters nab around 100 million from victims all around the world. Mm. Now, in 2021 and 2022... It was part of an investigation by numerous law enforcement agencies. We talked about this bit in the episode 300. You can go listen to that. It was shut down in November 2022 as a result of Operation Elaborate. That was the name. And this was a multi-agency investigation. So you had the Met, the Netherlands Police, Europol, and Eurojust. Yep. But what happened to iSProof.cc ringleader TJ Fletcher, right? Because he got arrested as part of this
0: not TJ Hooker. TJ Fletcher. TJ Fletcher. Okay, wasn't it was, It wasn't Shatner. It wasn't William Shatner who was behind this. <laughs> no.
1: no. it wasn't no. Shatner. Okay. No. <laughs> but he was he was found guilty for running this complex banking scam in the UK courts and just a few days ago he was sentenced to 13 years in the claim.
2: Interesting. That doesn't seem very long.
1: No, see, I thought it seemed like a long time in the UK. Uh,
2: okay. Yeah, that does seem not for the UK. Yeah. yeah. And what makes this case kind of,
1: uh,
0: well, makes it completely unusual for me is that- Can, can, I, can I guess? <laughs> can I guess what the unusual thing is? Yes? Was? was he also hit by a GDPR fine? Because I'm thinking if they have <laughs> that many customers with that many accounts and that much money sloshing around, they must have been accessing European- And it's global. Exactly. I'm thinking, let's stop imprisoning people for the scams. Let's just get them for GDPR. It's the old Al Capone thing, isn't it? Where they got him for tax evasion.
2: (laughs) I love
0: it. I was just thinking, wow, you made a GDPR joke. That's amazing.
2: (laughs) Let's call the Irish uh, commissioner, get them on the phone.
0: Yeah. Why not? Sorry, Carol, carry on. Tell me more about TJ Fletcher.
2: (laughs) But what
1: makes it kind of unusual, though, mm-hmm. is that the thousands who lost money through all these sophisticated scams, mm-hmm. right, were not direct victims of Fletcher
0: or no. his junior partners.
2: But he did create the opportunity.
0: Exactly. Oh, but so I manufactured a hammer, Zoe, and other people chose to take the hammer and smash people's windows. Are you going to imprison I mean- me?
2: That's, to me, that's a little bit different, though, because you're not advertising your hammer as effective murdering devices.
0: No, no, no not necessarily, but it could be a, a device for maybe, you know, if you if you wanted to bruise a pineapple or something like <laughs> that, then it would be, or you know, if you wanted to crack a coconut in half. There's all kinds of ways of presenting it. I suppose
2: it. that's true. It is It is a slippery slope. You do make a good point because it is a slippery slope. Because- I
0: spoof could be advertised as a practical joke service, where you call up people claiming to be their auntie. Or training. Yes. Yeah, if they just
1: had an emoji in the corner with laughing emoji, that's (laughs) their icon. Yeah.
2: Or it could also be like, um, you know, privacy. You don't want people to know who you are, or what your number is. Yes,
0: that's that's also possible, yes, if I'll be prepared to pay <laughs> £5,000 worth of Bitcoin a month for such a practical joke facility. The prosecution <laughs> described
1: the business setup, up. They were effectively luring criminals into the
0: service, is what they, they were accused of.
2: They were manipulating criminals to be criminals. Naughty.
0: So it was really the copywriters that I spoof hired who wrote the content for the web pages. It's not this poor T.J. Fletcher guy who was just too busy. Running his site and didn't realize what the bloody marketing people had written on some of the web pages. <laughs> I should Should've. have been on his defense team. Oh, really? I could have got him off this. <laughs> Objection, Your Honor.
2: I mean, you do make a, a slightly interesting point, though, because. Slightly the, interesting. <laughs> slightly interesting. Oh, thank you. I didn't say overly. Um, <laughs> but, but with the skill set that I have to develop in my career, finally run into situations where people are like i don't trust you because you're a hacker and i'm like no not really and they're like no no, no you're you're gonna hack me and i'm like <laughs> why would i hack you you know like like such a weird thing Rude. but also but also but that's a very valid point i mean if i create a solution that's very privacy focused does that mean i'm enabling hackers yeah like, you see
0: you see that's deep that's deep zoe it's not appropriate for this podcast <laughs> this kind of depth of thinking i think we've <laughs>
1: Yes, let's move on. Smashing security listeners, did you know that Bitwarden is the only open source cross-platform password manager that can be used at home, on the go, or at work? Bitwarden's password manager securely stores credentials spanning across personal and business worlds. And every... Bitwarden account begins with the creation of a personal vault, which allows you to store all your personal credentials. These are unique and secure passwords for every single account you access. And it's easy to set up. It's easy to use. I honestly love Bitwarden. I use it at home, use it at work, use it on the go. Get started with a free trial. Of a Teams or Enterprise plan at bitwarden.com forward slash smashing. Or you can even try it for free across devices as an individual user. Check it out at bitwarden.com forward slash smashing. And thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring the show.
0: Now, there's some big news from our sponsor, Collide. If you are an Okta user, they can get your entire fleet up to 100% compliance. How do they do that, you're asking yourself? Well, if a device isn't compliant, the user can't log into your cloud apps until they fix the problem. It's that simple. Collide patches one of the major holes in zero-trust architecture, which is device compliance. Without Collide... IT struggles to solve basic problems like keeping everyone's OS and browser up to date. Unsecured devices are logging into your company's apps because there's nothing there to stop them. Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of authentication and it's built to work seamlessly with Okta. The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, it alerts the user and give them instructions on how to fix it. If they don't fix the problem within a set time, they are blocked. Collide means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and most importantly, 100% fleet compliance. Visit collide.com slash smashing to learn more or to book a demo. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash smashing. Smashing Security is
1: also brought to you by Centripetal. Centripetal is the global leader in intelligence-powered cybersecurity. The company operationalizes the world's largest collection of threat intelligence in real time to protect your company from every known cyber threat. Now available as a cloud-based deployment, Centripetal's Clean Internet Service is a revolutionary approach to defending your assets from cyber threats by leveraging dynamic threat intelligence on a mass scale. The addition of AWS Clean Internet Cloud protects your enterprise, whether on-premise, remote, or in the cloud, removing the need for a more costly cybersecurity infrastructure. Learn more about Centripetal's intelligence-powered cybersecurity solutions at smashingsecurity.com slash centripetal. That's C E N T R I. P-E-T-A-L. And thanks to Centripetal for sponsoring the show.
0: And welcome back. Can you join us at our favourite part of the show? The part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website or an app. Whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security related necessarily. Better not be. Well, my pick of the week this week is not security-related. I love a doc. Oh, I love a documentary. Mm. I love a good documentary. I'm not really interested in that drama nonsense so much. But give me a documentary and I'll be very, very happily eating my popcorn. And I have been watching a documentary uh, this week. Not for very long because it's only 16 minutes long.
2: What? <laughs>
0: it's 16 minutes long. That
2: is the shortest documentary I've ever heard of. It's a
0: micro-documentary. And why not? I think, you know, we're exactly. all busy. Yeah. If it if that contains the whole story, then it's wonderful. The documentary is called John Was Trying to Contact Aliens. <laughs> what a gloriously interesting title. This is a documentary on Netflix about an electronics whiz called John Shepard. And he spent 30 years of his life all on his own, not really making any friends, poor chap trying to find extraterrestrial life from his cottage in rural Michigan.
2: What do you mean, poor guy? I think he probably had the time of his life. I mean, he was trying to make friends, alien friends.
0: Well, well he was trying to make, he, he was doing his bit. That's what he was huh. into. From a young age, he was interested in contact with extraterrestrial life. And unlike the rest of us who, I don't know, may have filled up a balloon with helium and thought maybe it'll get through the atmosphere or how about i write a really large word in the crop circle he actually built transmitters enormous amounts of electronic wizardry which began to dominate his grandparents sitting room in the documentary you begin to see pictures of the grandparents sort of uh, sat in front of the tv you know on a typical evening and they're just surrounded by all this electronics and this bearded <laughs> guy, and he's playing jazz. He's playing world music into space. I think I'd like him, yeah, right. Incredible array of electronics, and then he gets really serious and thinks I have to take this up a notch because just going a bit past the moon with my transmissions isn't going to be powerful enough. I need to send them further. Now, this documentary isn't really about aliens. It's actually about love and I'm not going to give away everything which happens in the documentary because it is only 16 minutes long
1: yeah you've been talking for five (laughs) it's the third through
0: (laughs) and but it's a heartwarming lovely documentary which I'd recommend to everyone it's called John was trying to contact aliens and I really enjoyed it and so I wanted to share it with you two and all of our gorgeous listeners today and it is my pick of the week lovely Sounds great. So, Zoe, what's your pick of the week?
2: Yeah, my pick of the week is I wanted to highlight things that have helped me uh, with insomnia. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, I I had really severe insomnia for many many years, like exceptionally bad, where I would only sleep for like two hours at a time. Um, and then now I'm a mum, and sleeping is. Vital, but also not very readily available. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. I figured here's some ideas that I've had that have worked for me in the past. Mind Mm -hmm. you, if it is really severe, I would still recommend seeing a doctor going to your GP. (laughs) But yeah, so one of the ones that I, the most important thing for me was eye covers. And I know that sounds really silly, but... Like you mean um, like an
1: eye mask? Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: right, right. Yeah, because I've bought many. And I've always found them very rubbish. And then I was feeling, I don't know, silly, I guess, and ended up spending probably more than I expected I would spend on an eye mask. I think it was like... How
1: much did you spend? (laughs) Zoe?
2: It wasn't crazy, but it was like, I think the one I bought was probably just shy of 30 euros or pounds, because I was in the UK at the time. Quite expensive. But I did add a link because I think that one wasn't quite that much. Um, and I don't know if that's the exact model I have, but um, it's similar. It looks similar to the one I have.
0: Okay, so we're going to put a link in the show notes where people can check out your eye mask or something similar to your eye mask. Is yeah, that right? similar.
2: Okay. And, um, and I actually noticed it made a huge, huge impact because it was also a routine. It was like uh, not just that I put the mask on and I went to sleep. That didn't happen. But I put the mask on and I didn't look at my phone because I have a mask on. And if I do that, I have to take it off. And, you know, um, I didn't, you know, look around the room. It made me focus, like forced me to focus. It's like going into those, um, uh, what is it called where you it reduce, the senses, what is it?
0: Or like an isolation tank. Yeah. Sensory deprivation. Yeah. Mm.
2: That's the word yeah. or term. Um it's not to the extreme. Obviously you, you could still hear and everything, but uh but it forced me to be in the dark. And um and it was this routine that when I started to get a bit tired, I put it on and it required me not to do anything because I have a very short attention span and uh, I'm not so good at that. So it had a huge impact in my sleeping quality, um, which has been great. Yeah, But for people that do not like textures or certain things on their face, which I understand, I'm very picky about materials, um, there's also the option of blackout curtains. And if you rent, like me, you don't want to install them and you don't really usually have the money to buy really fancy curtains anyway. And so what I found is it's suction cup based um blackout blinds so it's basically Ah. blackout material but they suction cup to your window and so you can remove them so Mm. they're good for travel they're good for a variety of sizes of room because you can suction and then they also have velcro to reduce the size if you need to they're Ah. not perfect but it does make your room quite a bit darker because you put it on there and then you put your curtains that you do have over and it's quite quite helpful
1: I just learned about these things because I have a friend who has um a, a slopy roof like a window what's it called a, a Velux window and the, the, one of their kids sleeps in that room and now the sun's out all the time um but getting a blind in that in that shape yeah. was super expensive so I was just like suction cups and we looked it up and there they were yeah. so yeah no really cool makes such a smart idea
2: making the room darker specifically was what made a huge benefit to me um the suction cup Uh, solution was interesting
0: i fall asleep listening to podcasts if i can't sleep i just put on a podcast i literally will fall asleep within (laughs) probably five minutes
2: well i'm not a fan of you right now
0: (laughs) i'm not saying your podcast (laughs) sorry
2: no i just i'm just jealous
0: (laughs) (laughs) carol what's your pick of the week
1: well i'm making netflix's jewish matchmaking my pick of the week so last week I had a lot of mundane tasks to do, you know, like si- signing stuff, putting things in bags, all kinds of. Because I was doing this little art thing, and I needed something that was good but not
0: great, right? So, <laughs> so this is a good but not great pick of the week.
1: Sometimes you need that in life, you know. You need something that's kind of interesting but
2: not fascinating. I hundred percent understand. I need the background noise.
1: Exactly. It's a background noise thing that you want to look up occasionally and kind of go, huh. And that's about it. So I'm not a reality TV. Uh, you no, know, I don't have a, a much knowledge of this area. But you know, occasionally I binge a bit like, you know, Doritos, you know, sometimes you just need to have a few cool wrenches. So I was talking to my friend telling him about I needed something like this. And he said, try this show he all his friends, all his Jewish friends love it, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, typical reality show, you have all these beautiful people who say they're looking for love or looking to start a family. Uh-huh. And they hit up our Eliza Ben Shalom. She's our very Jewish matchmaker queen to find them the perfect person. And so a typical scene will be like Elisa's talking to her 30-year-old client Ori about about the date uh, she sent him on with a gorgeous, vivacious, intelligent, brown-eyed brunette Israeli Jewish actor who spoke Hebrew. Okay. And how did it go? Meh, says Ori. She wasn't the gorgeous, vivacious, intelligent, blue eyed, blonde Israeli Jewish woman who spoke Hebrew that he requested,
0: was she? He, he also requested big <clears throat> as well, didn't he? <laughs> I've watched this, Carol. When I saw that you were going to recommend this, I've actually spent this afternoon watching a couple of episodes of this in readiness for the so recording. What do you think? What do you think? Do you understand what I mean? <sighs> I know what you mean about it being casual wallpaper TV. It's not entirely gripping, and some of these people are horrendous. I liked the very first woman on it because she was looking for a man with strong eyebrows. And yes, I was like,' hey. like,
1: she was like she's like she had beautiful eyebrows. She was like, my eyebrows are beautiful. And I would like someone
0: who has beautiful eyebrows too, strong eyebrows, strong eyebrows. Someone out there for I me.
2: Can, I can relate to her because I do not have strong eyebrows uh, and I actually despise my oh. eyebrows. They're white. So I have to draw them on.
0: <laughs> you can always get a Sharpie. <laughs> yeah,
2: not really. That would look <laughs> kind of ridiculous. Oh, okay. But but also, my daughter has white eyebrows and I feel very guilty for passing that down to her. You
1: should. You totally should.
0: Yeah, that's awful. You should. That's, that's awful totally of you. totally your fault. Yeah. <laughs> terrible mother I'm
2: saving up for her to get as many tattooed eyebrows as she wants that is my requirement (laughs) well
1: look while you're pondering that maybe you want to check out Jewish Matchmaking
0: you're on Netflix Guardian gave it three out of five I
1: think I'd agree
0: (laughs) well that just about wraps up the show for this week Zoe, I'm sure lots of our listeners would like to follow you online and find out what you're up to. What's the best way for folks to do that?
2: We've got Twitter, which I'm rosecops, and then Mastodon, which I'm rosec.techfielddane.net. Yeah.
0: You can use the Morse code. <laughs> Smoke signals.
2: Y- yeah, you could try that. I probably won't see it, but you could try.
0: <laughs> and you can follow us on Twitter at
2: smashinsecurity,
0: no G, Twitter wouldn't have a G, and there's also a Smash Insecurity Mastodon account. And make sure never to miss another episode. Follow Smashing Security in your favourite podcast apps, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Overcast.
1: And huge shout out to this episode's sponsors, at Collide, Centripetal, and Bitwarden. And of course, to our wonderful Patreon community. It's thanks to them all that this show is free. For episode show notes, sponsorship info, guest lists, and the entire back catalogue of more than 322 episodes, check out smashingsecurity.com.
0: Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye. Rose, so- <laughs> Yo, Rose. <laughs> hey, Rose. Why aren't you saying goodbye to the audience? What's I your problem, Rose? Oh. Cheers. Yeah, that'll do. Okay. Oh, <laughs> polite.
2: I'm so bad at cues.